I'm Chris. I'm with my brother Tristan. Hello! And we're going to be talking about movies that influenced us, or, or media, uh, and then how you know we took those lessons away as parents. So, uh, I've got kids, Tristan's got kids, mm-hmm. uh, and we try to think, huh, what would, what, what does this uh, movie or this television show teach us about how to be better parents? Exactly. Okay. Today, we uh, just watched Wrath of Khan, yeah. Star Trek II, oh, The I Wrath know. of Khan, but yep. the director's cut, which we didn't actually... Where was this movie? Was this? I have never we heard up. of this. Yeah, I had no idea there was a director's cut. Totally. So, knowing this, going into it, I was like, oh yeah, here we go. There's going to be such fucking dynamic content here. Oh. Some some fleshing out of real Kirk-Spock relationship. 100% There's that lasers. heavy, yeah. hardcore, savic, sexy, no, like, all that great oh, yeah. stuff. I so, cannot wait. If you have too much Romulan ale, you never know where these things are going to go. And, you know, yeah, savic. Anyway, poor Kirstie Alley. This was a weird film for her to be in. Uh, and it's, and yeah. anyway, we'll talk about this a little in a little bit, but yeah. there's an odd sort of sexual sort of tension that's going on. Like, poor yeah. Nichelle Nichols must have been sitting in the back going like, I've been here the whole time. Yeah. And hey. that was a foxy number in the 60s. Like, where's my... Where's my kudos? Yeah. But then, you know, I've never read the, bio- the biography of uh, that George Sakai wrote. Okay. And the, uh, the, I think Shatner had some, I know Spock had a... All these kind of recounts, and I don't think they really got along, though. So that No, might it seems like there was lots... I mean, they all slept with her, but no oh, one yeah. like, never called her the next day. No. Like, you never, you know... Just showed up on communicator set. on and yeah, like, it's sorry, this thing's not working. Yeah. It's getting out. That's it. Walter, how come you never called? What's going on? No kidding. I hey. cannot... I do not know. Uh, you know I know that accident isn't real. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I'm known for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. So there's like um, Kirstie Alley's in that movie, which is really super interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, what I love about this film is it seems like there's a ton of reversals about what your ideas of Kirk are. Yeah. You know, even though it's a classic mono e mono, and it's really the two uh, main characters, like the main you know protagonist and antagonist sure. that drive it. Yeah. But there's so much about. Um, it's not always about like ultra masculinity, or it's not that's always it. about superior intellect. Yeah. Like arguably. Kirk isn't the smartest guy, but no. what's interesting is he's maybe the most ingenious, and his ingenuity is on display. Yeah, I, I think on top of that, though, I think it's confidence, and that's it, like decisiveness. And I think that's a theme that goes throughout all the films, is that Kirk is shook, but but at critical moments, he is decisive, which I think a starship captain needs to be, and so well, they play on that. Yeah, and, I yeah. agree, or potentially a father. Yeah. Like, here's the thing, like... Uh, and we, this is revealed in the film, but eventually, you know, Kirk finds out he's got a kid. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And interestingly, like, there's all these great parental lessons and great sort of leadership uh, sort of lessons that could come out of being around a guy like that mm-hmm. if you were growing up. Interestingly, sure. David turns out to be much like Kirk. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Hey, nature versus nurture. That's it. Right? The seed is strong. It is. It is. Exactly that. You know, and um, the seed is strong. But but so fascinating that that yeah David is this sort of rebellious character that he um, brilliant again confident yep. Yep. things like that and so is his mother Carol sure yes right yep. but um, yeah man and and it, it is it, David's mere presence really rocks Kirk oh. and that that persona and it's it's on display a lot. You know, I guess I overstated this. He, it's not that he doesn't know that David exists. He's just never met him. That's right. So this is his first introduction to David. I mean, yeah. he, Carol had basically told him, look, I'm going to raise him. I don't want him jumping all over the place. I don't want him to turn out like you. Play out that scenario. What happened when she decided that? She walked in and he was in bed with like three other green ladies. <laughs> That's it. No kidding. You know, this isn't working for me. Yeah, this, this is probably not a great idea, no Kirk. He's like, uh, I think I, I'm just imagining like a Zap Brannigan moment. <laughs> Bam. Bam. And he just wants to go invite her in for more space sugar. That's she's it. having none of it. And he's just like. She made the right call. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Because he was in his prime. He was gallivanting. I mean, yeah. I don't know how David, how old do you think David would be in this? Hypothetically, early 20s. Like, that's my you guess. You like, he's a young a young scientist. I don't yeah. think he's more than 30. Yeah. Uh, he's still got a lot of that sort of fire in his belly. Yeah. Um, and plus, you know, he's off with his mom. Like, I mean, most guys, you know, you <laughs> kind of cut the cord at some point. But he's that's just it. like. Mother boy. Oh, man. No <laughs> kidding. They got matching outfits on and stuff. Like, just <laughs> cover photo. Yeah, that's it's, it. It's pretty rough. Anyway, so for anyone who hasn't seen Wrath of Khan, we're just going to do a quick synopsis of the yeah. film. So <clears throat> way back in the 60s when the series was on, uh, there was a character introduced called 
Khan, who mm-hmm. was a genetically engineered leader yes. who had been put in a cryotube and was discovered in space. Yeah. Um, so they discover him, they thaw him out. Turns out he's still crazy after all these years. Uh, <laughs> decides he wants to take over the Enterprise and conquer space. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty 60s prototypical, you know, villain move. That's anyway, it. Kirk, uh, of course, ends up, you know, captured and he's in a tube and he's getting pressure put on him and he's going to get killed and finally the girl who's sort of in love with Khan decides like okay look enough is enough this yeah. is going crazy releases Kirk Kirk defeats Khan by beating him up with a pipe yeah. as opposed to like <laughs> you know a him. fist fight like yeah no kidding he's got the superior they, intellect they, so they didn't think you're match. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> here's some fucking physics pal like, boom <laughs> no, kidding yeah. Uh, yeah so anyway Kirk uh, yeah. puts Khan in a, a ship yeah. Sends him back in his ship to Botany Bay, puts him on City Alpha 5. That's right. And then that's the last you hear about him because, you know, everything else goes on yeah. in the series. Done. So this is an interesting thing. So Nicholas Meyer, the director of the film, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, he's basically tasked with revitalizing this incredible IP. Like, I mean, yeah. people are interested. The first movie's a bust because it's way too cerebral. Oh. And, you, you know, you moved away from the things that kind of always made that show great. That's right. Villain of the Week. Oh, uh, you know, Foam Rock. Snap, snap. Yeah. 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 Like, it goes along with a good clip. Stuff. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, that that's... You know, so he's going back to original formula and saying, okay, well, who's someone I could pull back that will really bring the fanboys back in? Yeah. Um, a little bit obscure, mm. but maybe someone who's like a great foil to Kirk. Yeah. And I think that that whole, whole foil idea plays out super nicely in this film. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> and we'll get into this another time. We just yeah. watched another film recently, which we'll do in a separate podcast. Yeah. But it's it's the difference between films holding up. Yeah. And so in this case, when I walked out watching Wrath of Khan the other day, I was like, yeah. I love this movie in exactly the same way I did yeah. when I was a kid because it holds up so nicely and there's still things to pull away from it. You know what? That, you know what? Talking about that that lens uh, of nostalgia, how it kind of goes rose colored and, and you kind of, there's lots you forgive when you're a kid and things like that. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. I had the same reaction coming out of this. I was like, God damn, that's a good film. Like, I really enjoyed it. It didn't drag. For me, and and we'll talk about the uh, the the inclusion of these missing scenes from the yes. director's cut, which I think actually, you know, all joking aside, I think actually added some nice uh, relationships. To you know, it builds out Scotty a little bit. Like yeah, he's, he's sort of like a two-dimensional character in the first yeah. place, and you know. He's Scottish, he's an engineer, he's always a bit, like, befuddled, but he always yeah. comes through in the end. But this was a really a, a nice kind of human uh, introduction to him in a way. Like, yeah. more depth than I've definitely seen from him in previous, um, well, movies for sure, because he didn't really play that much of a role in the first one. But, you know, yeah. he's pretty pretty unidimensional in the series. That's right. Anyway, in terms of the synopsis, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, years and years later, they're traveling through space. Yeah. Um, there's a mission that's going on where they're searching for a planet that's devoid of life. Mm. Uh, Chekhov's in a bit assigned to a different ship. That's right. Ends up running into this planet to go and investigate. Goes down, finds uh, this shell of a, of a ship. Yeah. But suddenly recognizes from the space belt buckle. The space buckle. The space buckle <laughs> that it's the Botany Bay. And yeah. they found Khan. Yeah. Not where he was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, Khan finds a way to control their brains using space slugs, which we're going to talk about because oh, yeah. that still makes me want to pee my pants. Oh, God. Uh, oh the nightmares. Oh. Um, and so, anyway, gets control of this ship, lures Kirk mm-hmm. in uh, using uh, sort of new technology that's being developed, but somehow it's being taken away. He comes, gets blindsided, and then it's a mono-e-mono battle to the death. Yeah. Um, they never see each other in person i don't no, think it's do. always it's always ship to ship so they never see each other where they're like where uh kirk could grab a space pipe and and club <laughs> okay well so fool me twice shame on me <laughs> i think he's it. just sort of watching for space pipes <laughs> <laughs> i think now that he's got in the reliant that's yeah. his space pipe it so. is his space pipe. yeah now yeah. But interestingly, again, it's not physical strength that ends up winning out. No. And there's, you know, feats of strength that Khan does. He's still that same ultra virile, ultra smart, yeah. incredible person, but has that one massive blind spot. Well, his I, ego. You know what? I'm thinking about this. And sorry, we should probably finish the synopsis. Go ahead. You finish first. Okay. Well, we'll finish the synopsis. So, yeah, they um, uh, they steal the Genesis Project. 
Um, and Khan puts uh, Kirk's son and uh, wife in danger, but they escape with the device itself. Khan eventually acquires it and um, is going, and now has the ship and the ability to make new life, a new planet. And, or, or, and destroy should, new, or destroy or, life. Or destroy right? life. He's got yeah. effectively like he's, a deadly weapon. He's got a doomsday device. Basically. Right? And so he's able to do anything he wants, but somehow Kirk still goads him into a confrontation. Yep. Because of that confrontation, Kirk manages to get um, the one-up on Khan. Yep. Khan's Hail Mary is to activate the Genesis device and hopefully take Kirk with him in uh, in death. Yeah. Well, that's it. If he can't actually you know, destroy him himself physically, face-to-face, he's still going to win yeah. in every way possible. He'll rob him of everything he cares about. That's right. And yep. in a uh, sacrifice, that still gets me. Honestly, still gets me. Yeah. In that sacrifice mm-hmm. that Spock makes, they're able to escape the pull of the Genesis device, and a new planet is formed. Right. And there is, it's littered with themes I didn't really explore when I was younger, and I didn't think about, and so we'll talk about that sure. throughout. But that's the gist of it. Yeah. Is that, yeah, big bad, bad manages to um, put everybody in the Enterprise in danger, and now uh, Enterprise escapes. Yep. Yep. But so... You know, so when you're thinking about this film when you were a kid, yeah, and you, you sort of said like, you know, you weren't exploring themes and you were thinking about it at the time, but what were your t- big takeaways? Like, tell me three things that you'll always remember from that film when you were a little kid. Ricardo Montalban's fucking chest. Oh, he's he's ripped. Oh my god, I don't have that chest now. No way. So he's like, how old is Ricardo Montalban in that film? So he's doing uh, Fantasy Island. Yeah, it's either on right now or yeah. you know, it's it just finished. I would say he's in his fifties. Okay. Yeah. He's in his fifties and he's in such good shape. But just, but 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 that thing, like he was physically imposing, and Kirk doesn't like he's not he's not chubby (laughs) Shatner, but he's he's not fit Shatner. Shatner. He's not thin Shatner. So I thought. So what was really interesting is that you know same thing. I grew up watching Shatner as this this strong, virile, you know, uh, shirtless often uh, individual, and so he is masculinity. And so seeing him because they show him at the beginning and he's soft. He's not. Very physically opposing at all. He just got glasses. He like just he's, got glasses. Like he's an old man now. Yeah. So it's really interesting for sure to sort of look at Khan, who's well, still the same threat, like the same. Yeah. And I know we've sort of had a bit of a pre-talk about what we're going to discuss today, but, you know, one of the things I think that's really interesting about this is mm-hmm. how the nature of male role models changed. Yeah. So you may remember when we had our first podcast, yeah. uh, we were talking about who you wanted to be or who your who's your father figure. Yeah. And for me growing up, one of my father figures that I really looked up to was mm-hmm. Kirk mm-hmm. because he was always ready, right? Yeah. He was virile. He was masculine. He was good with the ladies. He was always sharp. Yeah. And it's interesting to see him degrade in many ways, but it's his vulnerability that makes him successful in the end. That's it. And that's so, so interesting. Okay. Yeah. So my, sorry, finish off my takeaways right. here. So, so that's one. Uh, one yeah. is his chest. Yeah, one is a chest. It's this just is really weird. It was oily and, you know. It's yeah, like, and it was just there. It's always and, gleaming. I remember, like, even, like, at some point somebody said, like, oh, that's, a, that's like, a, a prosthetic. And I'm, I'm like, sure of it. That, no, it's, it's not. It can't be. He's just that ripped. But, but just thinking, like, here is this. He's age two, but he still physically looks like he can kick Kirk's ass, whereas Kirk doesn't. Doesn't look like he can, he can kick a can. So constant on a desert planet eating space slugs. Space slugs. For the last, like, and, you 30 know, years. And he's, he's not skipping leg man. day, no, you know. He's, he's fucking ripping oh up. Oh he's lifting the, his botany buddies, and we'll talk about that. Oh, my God. But, um, the so, Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. So, he, uh, so just that juxtaposition, I guess, of, like, Kirk failing old and then Khan still at the height of what seemed like his physicality. So it was like, Kirk's in for a wicked fight. I can't wait to see this, I remember thinking. (laughs) You know, which it never happens, but that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Another thing to pull out of there is that's probably the first, I don't know, you know, the first time I really saw like a really main character get killed. Oh, with Spock? Yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, and that shook me a little. That shook me because... Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of films in the 80s, and, and we we talked about this in the Commando episode, was just like invulnerable. You know, if, the, if you're leading it, then yeah. you don't, you may suffer some emotional damage. You might get your shirt ripped. You might get like a... <laughs> that's it. Your tailor's not going to be happy. That's it. You might get a, a scratch along your shoulder that um, makes from your... From a grenade? Yeah, left arm go down a little bit, but you're still able to throw a metal pipe through someone. Through someone. Oh, yeah. Anyway, holy... So, so that was really interesting to see them wipe out Spock. I really uh, that shook me. That really shocked me. I love that idea, though. I mean, at that yeah. point, how invested were you to go like, "Holy shit, the stakes in this are so yeah. high"? Uh, it made me really 
you know, you take Khan, even though he dies, much yeah. more serious as a threat or as a villain. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved, uh, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a cheat to bring him back the next film. Granted. And, uh, but... but at the same time, I mean, I was, I didn't even know what they were going to do after that. I was like, no. this is it. This is not, they're never going to be able to make another Star Trek film. It was not a happy ending. No. Really. No. I mean, Kirk finds some peace. He finds some connection to David and things like that. But it really, it's not a happy ending. Yeah. You know, for various things, people die um, that are important. Um, okay, so the last thing I really took away from this one in particular was, um, I guess, in relation to the first one, because I'm just off the first one. I never saw this in theater. Uh, no, me neither. We, I saw this at the house. I yeah. saw this with Dad, actually, yeah. and you yeah. uh, on the VHS. That's it. So so my, my whole perception of Star Trek was like, Star Trek 1, the motion picture, which was long and, and very, very cerebral, like you said, and just like... Buh, I don't get this. Oh, and if you weren't someone who grew up on Voyager, like the whole thing of V'ger and yeah. like, it just honestly, it was trying very hard to be so clever and I so, uh, in it, like, uh, yeah, I, don't know, too I don't know what the goal was. I don't know. It was too inaccessible and maybe it yeah. was because Star Wars was so hot um, that they were like, no, we gotta, we gotta go the opposite or else we'll be compared. Right. Maybe. Right. I don't know. But that's, so that was the big thing was seeing this not a snooze fest, but a very difficult film to get through. And then all of a sudden the action of Khan, because Khan was like, it had good pacing, but there was some did. good, interesting action happening. There so was. all of a sudden I thought, hey, Star Trek can be just as exciting as some of these other sci-fi films. Without space out. swords. Without space swords, without the, the laser swords. So so that that was my big take was going, oh, hey, there's another IP and this is interesting. Yeah. I like this. So it, it renewed my interest in Star Trek. I was going to say, relative to Star Wars, the yeah. way that the characters work, I mean, always that series was different, right? Like, it was a lot about moral lessons. It was a lot about, like, trying to, you know, apply um, intelligence over just brute force. I think that's mm -hmm. always been part of, you know, how that's the Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future would work. Like, everyone yeah. was equal. Everyone was the same. And you don't really see the same sort of slums and disparities like you kind of do in that aging tech of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess it, as someone who was like so into Star Wars and had all the figures, yeah. I mean, it's hard for me in some ways to imagine that anything could even rival it. Mm -hmm. And yet when you start to see some of the Star Trek and especially this film, yeah. well, this and the sixth film, like both of the Nicholas Myers films yeah. specifically, you're just like, oh my God, like it's cool and it's interesting. And even though these are old actors, like, yeah. you know, Mark Hamill's a young man, uh, you know, Han Solo is like the coolest guy in space. Right. Like these are interesting kind of roguey characters and maybe more relatable. I don't know what I've got in common with, you know, real adults like this, yeah. but I found myself so invested in that film. Yeah, absolutely. And it brought me back. So yeah. Sure, I'm with you. I think the big interesting thing watching it this time is that I clued into a lot of the big Themes. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about the. Yeah. Themes. Do you want to, Do you want to talk about the things that you took out of this? Yeah. Or? So I mean, there was a couple like sort of larger uh, arcy themes that I really wrapped myself around on this yeah. one. And the one thing especially was aging. Yeah. Like this is very much a film about coming of age or accepting one's mortality or accepting one's changes as an adult. Mm -hmm. And it, it can't be illustrated better than the difference that we we talked a bit earlier, but just between Khan and Kirk. Yeah. Like Khan is this ultra virile, ultra strong, mm. you know, crafty, strategic genius. And like you say, like Kirk's a little bit doughy and stuff. And many times in the film, there's these questions of age. Like, yes. you know, you think about, he's talking about the new crew. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, we got a boatload of kids. Yeah. And he's, he's condescending, right? Or he's yeah. saying like, oh, you know, these guys are going to have to grow up a little bit faster than they thought they would have to. Like, that's right. He's very much about, you know, discounting youth and discounting yeah. passion. Yeah. Um, and yet he was the guy who was youthful and mm -hmm. passionate when he was, you know, sort of that young Kirk yeah. from the 60s. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see him now. And then, you, you know, people ask him, like, how are you feeling? And, you know, the first time he gets asked that question when he's in the Genesis cave, he's like, yeah. I feel old. Yeah. Like, he feels worn out. And he really, he's carrying the weight of his failures. Yes. You know, David hates him. Yeah. Uh, you know, has n nothing that he wants to do with it. He doesn't even know that doesn't that's even his know dad. Him. Yeah. But at the end of the film, he gets asked the question again, how am I feeling? He's yeah. like, he feels young. Yeah. And so I think there's something really cathartic about owning yourself and owning who you become over yeah. time. Yeah. And his vulnerabilities, like I say, they weren't they didn't become limiting factors for his success over Khan. In fact, it was his ability to like uh, really embrace, you know, mm -hmm. who he was and not just get drawn into the ego yeah. like Khan did that saved him. And yeah. that's a maturity move. 
He admonished himself a fair bit every time he made like a wrong move or a slow move and things like that. Totally. Where, so count with me. Think of the number of things that happened where he reflected on his age. So he got glasses. Yeah. There's him looking at Savick and like having these weird moments where he thinks he's like flirting with her and she's just like, no. No, it's not happening. <laughs> like, uh, Love is joke. We'll talk about that. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty gay. Um, you know, so there's that. There's glasses. There's things like where he is, um, uh, again, he sort of talks about his age quite a bit. He's hungover. He's like hungover. Him and, him and the bones get like After the on the sauce. Nail. Yeah. That's right. So he is. He's just like, he's an old man. But it's that it's that wisdom that comes with time, that experience, mm-hmm. uh, the leadership lessons that you learn, uh, you know, that really kind of redeems himself. And even Savick, so you've got the point where, you know, they're think he's trying to kind of mansplain to her about how a starship works. Yeah. So, you know, it's a borderline. Really? But it's like, you have to know how things work on a starship. And I mean, yeah. it's that understanding of how to take down the shields that eventually opens up Khan's ship, the Reliant, yeah. and allows him to get, you know, sort of shut down. So, yeah, it's cool. I don't know. I think um, the one thing I was really conscious about when I was watching it was, like, there, there's a lot of discussion about age. Yeah. I think it validates the use of those characters at the ages that they're at mm-hmm. as still being relevant. And when you can learn things from them or, you know, how do you build a franchise around these this group of aging actors? And I think, you know, they did a phenomenal job of investing oh, yeah. people and, and wanting to keep on going. So many parallels in this. So many interesting um, sort of uh, comparisons or parallels or, mm. or really examples. Like um, you just talked about like, like Savick and Kirk talking about like, you've got to understand what happens on a spaceship, yeah. a starship. <laughs> and um, what's, what's amazing about that is that it, now we're looking at, um, you know, uh, uh, intellectual knowledge versus experiential knowledge. Right. Which is neat because that's, that's divvied about. I mean, the whole movie starts with Savick uh, failing the Kobayashi Maru, right. which she's supposed to. You're well, there, it's a no-win scenario. So That's again, it. it's a test of character. Yeah. But, yeah, so, and yeah, so I, like, think about Khan also as like being a superior intellect. And yeah. often they talk about like superior physicality, superior intellect. Yeah. But it's not brains in this scenario that actually ends up winning. And I think um, what's interesting about like Spock, uh, Spock especially actually, yeah. is that here's a guy who's just as smart as Savak, right? Like they all got Vulcan training. They're yeah. both, you know, people who are supposed to be sort of these human computers, these mentats of sorts. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's, it's as Spock becomes more human, he becomes more, um, he, he brings more value to the to the team. Yeah. Right? Like, so it's, you watch, <laughs> there's a few really human moments for Spock in it that I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting yeah. that I didn't really pick up on when I was watching it before. So when Spock gets killed in this Kobayashi Maru, yeah. you know, he's acting, but he's really acting there. Like he's yeah. holding his back and I'm like, holy yeah. shit, he really died in this. So you kind of think the simulation is, is correct. Mm-hmm. And it's the more like he's playful, right? Like he's like, oh, you lied when they were talking about their code, you yeah. know, uh, hours instead of, uh, or hours instead of days. It's like, oh, you lied. He's like, no, I exaggerated. exaggerated. Like he becomes more playful and it's yeah. his humanity that really makes him interesting. I think that's kind of something they're trying to get at. Like, own your foilables, right? Well, that that end, think about the marriage of superior massive intellect, but also being able to be um, wise, I guess. Sure. You know, and that's that's the kind of marriage is, is Spock has this incredible amount of data that, uh, that he can, data, data, I don't care. Doesn't matter. He, he, that he can draw upon. But also, he's got this sort of um, street smarts now. That he brings to it, and right. that's that's where that playfulness. And I love one of the ones too that you, now that you mention it was when uh, Sa- Savick is quoting rules to Kirk, and you, it looks over to Spock, and he's just like, Ooh. <laughs> 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 like "I've been down this road." Yeah, yeah. Fat boy's not gonna like that. <laughs> no, for sure. He kind of like uh, knows knows better than to put that out there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's like he has evolved quite a bit from the, yeah. the series, right? Yeah. And it, it, that's. That's the, so this is why it's also really sad to see him die. Yeah. Like, as you're thinking about that emotional kind of feel of the death of Spock, you're like, oh my God, I was just starting to really like Spock. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, I just, I felt, I, I, I understand why you said that you felt it. That scene, that scene gets me every time because there's, and, and credit to them. We joke about how cheesy they can be and things like that. But there's, that scene is tight, man. That scene is you know, Spock, he's on the other side of that glass, you know. Bumps into it. Bumps into it Radiation yeah. blind. Yeah. Sorts himself out. Yeah. Oh, Stay May- cool, Nobody noticed. Keep it together. Nobody it. If you don't yeah. mention it, people won't. That's it. But, but just that connection, that that his dear friend, and more humanity, more 
more about loss and aging, I guess, because when you get older, friends start to drop off. Right. Right? And so, again, that theme resurfaces, and that's just beautiful, that scene. Yeah, no, they really, they built the far uh, out. Yeah. way that the structure of the film was mm -hmm. uh, very intelligently like it's got a lot more layers than just like a kind of a cat and mouse you're not like watching speed in space yeah uh thank speed. god <laughs> space speed space speed uh, i've done that <laughs> no, no kidding we've all tried yeah your bus is going your, your ship's going like uh warp four what do you do oh yeah <laughs> dun, 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 dun. oh man Here's another thing that came up that I was kind of caught me off guard, and then yeah. I had to reflect on it. I think we commented when we were watching. They talk about religion a little bit, right? Like, cause the name yeah. of the of the machine is Genesis, Genesis. right? And so uh, <laughs> there's a scene where McCoy talks. You sort of they're going through the data on Genesis, and he he says, according to myth. Man created, or God created Earth in six days. Yeah. Well, look out. Here's Genesis. We can do it like in a matter of hours. And I thought the idea that it was myth was yeah, super interesting to me. I didn't catch me. that initially. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. I wonder how many people uh, sort of from the religious community might have been upset by that mm. to refer to it as myth. Yeah. I don't remember any waves about it, but again, I didn't see it in theaters, and I wasn't that attentive That's when I was like 82. That, I'm nine years yeah. old. You know, must have been intentional though. That's really interesting. I definitely feel that. Uh, yeah. I think Roddenberry was one of those guys who just, you know, wanted to remove religion from space future just because it's so divisive, right? Like you never yeah. see it talked about no. in any of the movies. Like none of they well, have religion that's around. Yeah, but like when they go find God, I guess. Well, <laughs> stupid V'ger. Uh, yeah, so that's a big one. But yeah. but then look at how disastrous that goes, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you never really see them like. Kirk's not a religious man. He never talks about his, like, faith. Well, no, the only moral compass there, the religious compass, the spiritual compass, is Bones. He's always right. been. Yeah. God damn Vulcan. Yeah, but they like but that, look right? at all his blasphemies and stuff. Yeah. Like, so they really, they don't have a lot of faith in religion, and I think that's interesting, because I wouldn't have caught that as a kid. Yeah. But I really, it, it sort of sunk to me at that moment. That's I was like, wild. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was, that was interesting. Anyway, mm. just, uh, you know, a little something there. I want to get into um, a little bit of the director stuff here, the new director stuff, only because it, it I think it was very, really interesting uh, how yeah. they fleshed out a little more of, like you said at the beginning here, Scotty. Yeah. So one of the big things here is there's a there's this like like what is it, like 14 year old? He's yeah, well it's the guy it's here. the guy from Space Mountain. It was Tony. Oh yeah. Uh, so he was on uh, Race to Space Mountain and all those Disney films. And I remember watching him as a little little kid. Yeah. And he was like a Disney kind of regular guy. Like he was kind of a I don't know, a recurring character actor that we sort of showed up in that studio. Ike Eisenman. Ike Eisenman. I and then what, you know what, I think after he died in Wrath of Khan, that was the end of his career, because I've never seen him in anything since. Well, he, he used that money for that con money uh, for blow. That's and it. just has not resurfaced since. I'm a con man. <laughs> <laughs> this not, this uh, yeah. does not play out the way I was hoping yeah. it would, but. So uh, anyway, so like, uh, yeah. so in the backstory, this is his name is, uh, he's Preston. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's a young engineer. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, as it turns out, he's like uh, Scotty's nephew. Yeah, he's related to Scotty. This is never, never fleshed out in any way in the original mm -hmm. cut of the movie. And I can understand why. I mean, it's not really a crucial detail. But what's important is you've yeah. got all of these seasoned guys who will go on to stick to that franchise for mm -hmm. six or seven more movies after this one. And so the more you give them in terms of character and the more you give them, you know, sort of his backstory, the more interesting they're going to be. So I think it's kind of unfortunate we don't get to learn more about Scotty. And this was, like you say, a, such a nice addition. It is, because I thought about this later on, about the kind of um, I have parallels between Kirk and David and then um, Scotty and Preston. And what was neat is that, you know, Scotty has like pride as if he were a proud dad. From right. Preston. Right. And um, he talks about him. He talks about how good he is and ba 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 ba. And, and it's like nurturing and mentoring in a way that Kirk didn't do to David. Oh, and yeah. yet, Preston gets killed. But David lives. Uh, at least in this movie. Yeah, for sure. So that's interesting. I thought that, wow, that's it. Hey, what does spoilers. Scotty think He's spoilers. About? He's spoilers. Yeah. He's spoiled. Oh, jeez. Well, it's a newer movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to no, take the piss. Bust so, my balls. That's right. Yeah. Um, Why don't you uh, get your fucking shine, shine box? box. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it finds a way to it, seep it's in. It's in. Yeah. It's in. But that I just thought, like, how interesting for Scotty to go. Like, I, I, I've tutored probably, I've mentored this young man, yep. and got him into this position. He is a prodigy. He's just, he's a go getter. He's fearless. He's brave. Yeah. All these things, like, like he could be not any more proud about this young man. He could be a new Scotty. 
he could be the new Scotty. Maybe he was intending that, but then he dies. He yeah. gets killed doing brave things, but killed. And yet, Kirk, who's had fuck all to do with David, he gets to keep his son. Well, here's the good news. Be an absentee parent, and yeah. you never have to worry about the death of and your child. And that's our lesson, folks. No, okay. I want you to take okay. that away. We're not an advice show, but if there's one piece we could give you is... Let them run um, wild and don't give a fuck. Don't give and a fuck. Chances are they're going to be great. That's it. A you couple know, of beer cans to the head, and you... <laughs> Historically, yeah. those kids who have no you know, father figure, they tend to do pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, no. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's... Tell me five things you would know about Scotty. If you're oh. not a fanboy, because oh. I know nothing about his backstory. I don't no. know if he's married. I don't know no. if he's got kids. No. I know nothing about him, but I like that I now do. Yeah, that so a, that added to it, hey? Yeah, it Absolutely. Did. We found out later that like uh, like Scott and Ohura had a little thing. Mm-hmm. They had they they messed around, but um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh. But that really stuck out for me. That was really interesting to me, and that's that was the biggest takeaway. I mean, there's not really anything else in the director's cut that really popped out but that one in particular and it got me thinking that was another layer that i hadn't considered at that time uh but i thought hey that's cool yeah that's something i wouldn't have picked up on no no not at all i um like i say um in terms of the overall content of the Mm. film i understand why they didn't keep it but Mm. i actually really liked it i think Mm -hmm. um sometimes directors cut focus too much more on adding more action or adding more like you know sort of the big things that draw people in but I like the character piece bits. Like yeah. I, I think, especially with established characters like that, yeah. to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit, I really, I enjoyed that. Do you enjoy it now? Did you enjoy it when you were a kid? Well, I didn't see it when I was a kid. Well, younger, um, when you were younger, when you saw well, it. Well, I mean, we have, just saw the director's cut is what I'm saying. Like, oh, it's I, I meant like the show itself. Oh, like, the TV like, show? No, the, um, <laughs> where are we going? The know. movie. Um, I just mean like, like now you're invested in relationships. We got revealed a new relationship, yeah. but, you, but there were still relationships and dynamics in there. there were you as like, ooh, oh, how interesting. Or were, was there other elements that you were... Uh, well, again, as a kid, it's all yeah. two-dimensional, right? Like, I'm yeah. just, I know Scotty's utility. I know Spock's utility. Like, so yeah. this person's smart. This one fixes things. Yeah. This one can communicate in situations where you shouldn't be able to understand what's going on. Yeah. So everyone has, like, a very set utility, and it's all really Kirk's world, right? Yeah. So to actually get a chance to pull Kirk back a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, again, this this movie is really about his foilables. It's really not him as yeah. a as a, an example of what to do correctly, mm-hmm. but it's almost like in spite of himself, he yeah, is successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that, I, th- I think, is, again, kind of interesting for him. Like, yeah. to go from uber uber male figure of the 60s now as kind of this, you know, vulnerable, doughy, yeah. you know, captain uh, who's, you know, been retired and now, you know, is so far removed from captaincy. Yeah. Uh, but to see, like, his ability to connect to his crew and to pull those great... Uh, activities and that great like passion out of them. I think that's yeah. Um, there's always a lesson in that, no matter yeah. what you're doing. If that's your kids, that's your work. Mm-hmm. The more you can connect to your people that you're around and really get the best from them as you give them your best. Yeah, those types of exchanges are where I think that's a universal lesson that never gets diminished. And to be vulnerable, you be know, vulnerable. to be honest. to oh, yeah, to to mourn and <clears throat> grieve when a friend is in pain or dies. To to admit your own humanity and, and your own uh like you said foibles and things like that i mean that's that's just such a radical contradiction to him as this machismo way back in the 60s you know? i want to talk a little bit about how they pulled things in for star trek yeah games, for start for trekkies yeah so you know uh, one thing that they talked about like the old klingon proverb yeah. uh you know about revenge being served cold yeah like I love when they do little things like that or yeah. when Christopher Plummer's doing the same thing in, in Star Trek Six, and, you know, they really try to make things that are old in and, you know, kind of uh, sew some stuff up. I always find those things really interesting. That's cool. Cultural appropriation yeah. is what it is. <laughs> well, yeah, but why not? I, I also was thinking about the, how badly telegraphed some of the, like, code words were, right? Like, yeah. so that hours and days, if yeah. you go by the book, like, you yeah. couldn't have winked harder into the communicator. <laughs> but... You know, yeah. as a younger person, it's something I solved. Like, so at, at yeah. you know, 10 or whatever, I was like, oh, days into hours go by the book. Like, you, you kind of piece that together. And what I like yeah. is they sort of give you little uh, nuggets mm-hmm. and little clues to sort of solve from this. And I thought that was, like, a very interesting way of investing the audience. Yeah. I mean, some people would have gotten that kind of stuff out of the gates and got like, eh, whatever, that's so simple. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, it made me want to connect to those characters more. Yeah. It, you know what? And and the little, I like, you're right too, sorry. Um, I'll get my brain right. Um, you know, the, the the inclusion of those little, I guess, winks or or interesting little 
dynamics like that, like the Shakespeare. They're like con quotes <laughs> a fuck ton there. of Shakespeare. Yeah. In there, I had no idea. As a kid, like, I, this was just sweet dialogue, right? From hell's heart, I stab at thee. That's some sweet writing, man. Oh, man. I wanted to use that on all of my villains. That's like, it. As a, I had bullies when I was a kid. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. Like, oh, like, I'm getting pummeled. Here you go, literati. <laughs> like, just no pounding kidding. you down. Like, that would serve you right. But yeah. it sounds pretty good. I yeah. never have lines like that ready. No. Whenever I'm in a confrontation, it's always like, you know, three hours later, you're like, <laughs> fuck you, Clay. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I will keep dreaming. I will keep dreaming, my friend. Yeah, like I'll full, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, you know Ben Stiller in uh, Mystery, Mystery Man. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly so. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> okay. We watched this movie the other day. Yeah. Have you taken anything? Has anything changed in your parenting based on this? Have you seen something where you're like, "Huh, I do that," or well, this is a, a scenario where I think, yeah, there may be a lesson I could learn. I guess it's it's sort of acknowledging the things that I can't do. Getting older, and mm -hmm. uh, I've never had a massive sports injury. Right. I've never really broken a bone. I haven't had a lot of, of, of uh, not the fittest man in the world, by no means, but I'm, I haven't had a lot of injuries and right. things like that. So um, earlier on with my kids, I was able to sort of keep up and jump on the trampoline a lot and sure. do all that kind yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah. right? And it, not that I can't now, but but I get tired or easier sure. nowadays. And so I guess thinking about that, like what what other ways can I connect with the kids now uh, and I guess this is kind of connected to this movie in a sense that Kirk acknowledging his, his, his um, you know, inabilities, his, his limitations, the things that physically he cannot yep. do anymore. And so what he's got to offer David is not someone who leads from the front, but someone who can connect now on an emotional level and, and realizes he was not the greatest father, obviously. So I guess sure, yeah. what I'm taking away from this, long story short, is just that, you know what, there's value you can give to your kids that isn't them looking at you in as a, a physical prowess, you know, as someone who is strong and, and, yeah. and powerful. But I guess that's kind of my takeaway was just thinking about, like, you know what, but I can show kids that it's okay to be vulnerable and to be scared of spiders or whatever. Right, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway, mm -hmm. actually. Um, yeah, you saw? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I'm always taking away from like shows like that is, um, like, I'm I'm never going to be like to your point. I'm never going to be like the the best athlete, and I'm always I've always been conscious of the only thing that I've got that's going to be of some use to me in for the rest of my life is my brain. Yeah. So <clears throat> I try to like as much as I can highlight the value of of using your brain or using mm -hmm. your thinking or trying to bring in experience, um, and then you know what. I always try to stay relevant too. I think this is a real challenge, mm. and I, you know, we're going to experience it more and more as time goes on because the oh, rate of like, technology is accelerating so quick. And it so, is. you know, kids are on like TikTok and they're watching YouTube and they're mm -hmm. doing all kinds of knickknackery. And you're like, I don't want to get too involved in it because, I, first off, I sort of object to it in some ways too. Like, I mean, basically. Yeah. I am so glad to not have commercials in streaming television, and yet most YouTube is just basically commercials yeah. repackaged in another way. And so I'm like, oh, why are you watching commercials? Like, there's got to be so much more things you could be doing either on your own or yeah. in real life. Like, get out there and, and do this stuff. But I don't think you can put your head in the sand, uh, and I don't think it's there's any value in uh, being oblivious to it, because in the end, it's still there, and yeah. it's going to come back to to haunt you if you don't know about it. Because if you want to intervene in some way, you're going to have to know what the potential limitations of it are. Yeah. So, like I say, I think it's important to um, always try to, you know, use your best judgment in this mm -hmm. scenario. And I try to teach my kids, like, okay, we'll use your brain. Like, think about what you're doing in this uh, because there's going to be implications for yeah. your actions. <clears throat> Consequences. Yeah, yeah. But also, too, like, I think, you know, you watch, like, as Kirk is getting older and, you mm -hmm. know, things are happening around him. And he's got this boatload of children who are all, like you know, kind of at the cusp of their careers. And I think one of the ways he's able to get their loyalty or to get them to, you know, function as a team is to really embrace them and, and mm -hmm. sort of not distance yourself based on your age yeah. or on where you think you are experientially. Because in the end, you know, they all pull together to save yeah. save the ship. Yeah. Right? Um, and like then you see that thing with Preston, right? Like there's this incredible effort that goes in to try to make sure that radiation's contained and that he is, mm -hmm. you know, able to basically partially save the ship and, and show an example of youth. And I think, you know, that same uh, incredible effort that uh, Kirk was able to draw from his seasoned people, yeah. he's still able to pull from younger people too. And maybe that's part of his 
change in thinking about kids and, and sort of how generations yeah. uh, evolve. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. What's interesting too is that you know the, the Kobayashi Maru plays such a major part throughout all the movies now. Right? Oh gosh, like, no, it's a total trope. It's in, huge, right? Yeah. Like it's the it's the big thing, and it, it ekes into uh, all the series nowadays. They always talk about it and blah 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 blah. But the whole that was really where it was introduced. The Kobayashi Maru, I think, is yeah, in that movie. Absolutely. And so yep. um, Kirk was known as the one person who was able to uh, beat the Kobayashi. He Although they never explained how he did it. No, in the newer films they do, they did. But and I like the newer films too. I mean, yeah, you can always talk about those a little bit too if you wanted to. How they compare? Mm, I like Chris Pine's no. like take on. Okay, no. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. You know, uh, in improv, you often try to work together. No to keep... and, I believe, is the... Perfect. <laughs> Are you still acting? You still doing acting? <laughs> Not anymore. Well, I... No. Uh, come up? No, I think I've got some clues. That's a lot of bridge instead <laughs> no, of bridge. No, um, just... So many. Yeah. <laughs> but... I'm teasing. But the interesting thing is... is, is um, so Kobayashi, Kobayashi, the no-win scenario. Kirk's the only one who's ever beat the no-win scenario. He was presented with another no-win situation throughout yeah. this movie, and he beat it. He won again, but he didn't brag about it. And this was interesting. Is mm. He never went, ha, got out of that one. He realized that there is consequences to the no, winning the no-win situation. Right. And it hammered home because he lost his best friend. Right. He lost many people he loves. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it, he almost killed everyone. He almost got everyone killed. Yeah, this was really a movie about evolution of character. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you see, like, a lot of these very static individuals who they probably recognize. Like, if you look back and think, how am I invested in, like, uh, Scotty? You know, when you think about the extra stuff with Preston. Or you think about, how am I invested with Spock? Yeah. Uh, and you sort of see him as this unidimensional robot who very rarely shows emotion. Like, there was the one you know, episode in the old series where he gets emotions for a little while and he's laughing and crying. You're like, what the fuck? This is weird for me. Oh, like, yeah. I'm uncomfortable watching you right now. Well, there was the, that drunk episode and plus they go through the seven-year uh, emotional explosion the right. Vulcans do. But yeah, that was really oh, his, uh, It was yeah. Pung Far? Or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. So yeah. anyway, like again, it just, this was really nice because you yeah. still kept all the things that uh, made Star Trek great. Yeah. You know, a lot of the action, a lot more of the pacing, the tempo, the things that got your heart pounding. Yes. But, but just interesting characters. Like it, for as much as they did with like moving things along and kind of keeping uh, the action going, mm -hmm. there was just nice moments. Yes. I was really pleased with that. There was. The, you know what? That's a great point is that it took a breath. It gave you a moment and let you see the impact of what had just happened with some of the characters. Yep. And that was cool. One of my like favorite that. scenes in the movie was uh, when Kirk is in the Genesis cave mm. and he's eating the apple. Mm. And he's just sort of sitting there and you know, everyone's freaking out. Khan's got the Genesis device. And he's like, yeah, you know, I just, uh, yeah. I, I, I can't think on an empty stomach. That's it. And so he's chewing away on his apple and, you know, David is kind of like pissed off with them. And Carol's yeah. like, what the hell's going on? And but what's interesting is he's got plans within plans. Like, yeah. you know, that's some of that experience coming back in again. And, yeah. you know, he's got this confidence, even though he is this, you know, doughier version of himself, who's probably less self-assured and, mm -hmm. you know, everything else that's happening in his life. But I always thought, like, you know, here's a, a beat yeah. in that film yeah. where everything's been like, dun, dun, dun. And then suddenly, you know, he's just kind of calm. And I'm like, well, this is, it's weird. But mm -hmm. I really, I'm, this is one of the reasons I like that character. Yeah. Is they made him less static and they made yes. him more uh, more human again. Yeah. Anyway, it was just a cool moment for me. Agreed. I, I like that too. It is he can't shake that, you know? He he shows so much more vulnerability here, but he can't shake the fact that his brain all of a sudden is five steps ahead. Like he's just it's just nature. Yeah. It's him by nature. He goes, okay, I'm gonna do this. Here's another step. Here's another step. Tell me about that about yourself, actually, because this is a question I have for you, just as a as an aside. Yeah. But. When you are, like, just in your most relaxed state, mm. is your brain always still moving at that pace? Like, yes. Are, yes, okay. My brain has a, a big trouble shutting down. I have a, um, I'm sure, undiagnosed ADHD. I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah. But um, it never sort of stops. And so, uh, to my detriment. So here's the thing, is instead of applying that kind of, like, hyper-forethought to, uh, you know, solving um, intergalactic problems and things like that, my brain won't shut down when I'm starting to think about what needs to be happening in the, the week right. coming up. So part of my brain registers that uh, my son has lost one glove and I need to make sure I find that. Part of my brain thinks, 
oh my God, um, I need to think about a different supplement in their lunches because uh, that one snack has run out. So I need to acknowledge that and got to think about that. And then part of my brain is like, oh, yeah. and actually their boots are soaked. So I got to make sure I throw that on the radiator and things like that. So in my quiet moments, my brain is, is, is in hyperdrive going, so, so steps ahead and then, but I don't communicate that with that, that with anyone. Right. It's all internal. And so it's funny because then uh, when it comes to a certain point, then my body just takes over and I'm on like, a t I'm tearing around the house, getting things prepared right. where other people could be helping, but I don't. So are you just waiting then till you are socially capable of excusing yourself from a scenario and Sometimes. getting on those tasks? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. do. That's like I cannot stop thinking about it. And hmm. so I'm like, okay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. listening, listening. Oh yeah, we're, we're having some fun. Ha ha ha. But then my brain is like, and now go. Interesting. So, yeah, hmm. that is that's kind of how my my brain works. That's oh. my that's my Kirk power. Okay. Well, <laughs> what about you? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes like I I used to get a lot more stressed out about things when I was younger, mm -hmm. and so I would I, I'd have a busy brain and I wouldn't be able to sleep in the evenings because I couldn't shut it down. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think as I've aged a little bit more, and it's it's probably from stressing about something so bad and yeah. thinking the world is going to come to an end. And then you get to that moment where you either have to confront it or it, it just makes itself visible. And then you're in that moment and you're like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And that's kind of been like a consistent pattern of mine. And I don't know if it's developed like an, not an overconfidence, yeah. but I feel like my ability to improvise in a scenario is good enough yeah. that even when I'm thrown into like an absolute fire, I'm just like, all right, let's do this. Like yeah. you kind of... You fake you know, it till you make it. You, you pull it. up yeah. your socks a little bit and like, hmm. Yeah. And, and that's actually terrible. Because, no, what, what I don't like it is if you get too overconfident, you're going to eventually get into a position yeah. where you thought you could skate and you won't be able to. Yeah. And so one of the things I'm mindful, and this is more of a work um, sort of uh, discussion for myself, is I oftentimes know enough about any one scenario to be able to comment on it and, and have something cogent to contribute. Yeah. But I feel like if I'm ever going to kind of kick into that next level that I want to get to, yeah. You have to sort of invest yourself in a different way and not just kind of stay in second gear. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. anyway, that's just, uh, it's interesting that you would uh, describe that. I think that's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not a superpower per se, but it's definitely like how I'm thinking steps ahead and, yeah. and how I apply that. But I, I know what you're talking about there as far as that confidence in, <clears throat> in um, sort of at least that perception of confidence in that kind of thing. Right. You know. If you could pick one person in Star Trek, who would you be? Ooh. Who, you, who are you closest question. to? In Star Trek 2, I should say. Star Trek 2, yeah. Because, again, they're, they're evolving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ha, um, <laughs> check off. No one wants to be oh check off. So, okay, well, before you answer that question, can we just talk about check off for a minute? Yeah. Because there's no way you don't know that he is evil when he's got those space slugs in his ear <laughs> by his lack of blinking. So, for anyone who hasn't seen this movie in the last little while, like, it's so obvious. Chekhov, like, stares yeah. unblinkingly into, like, screens, or yeah. he's, like, looking into the fourth wall the whole time, like, practically winking into the camera, like, yeah, I am fucking evil right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's so, yeah. like, evident, and yet no one catches it. No one like, catches it. It's hilarious. It. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is a lack of acting chops, well, or it's just, like, you know, been, like, yeah. But who, but Director <laughs> choice, because his buddy's doing it, too. How is he there. coaching yeah. this? I don't know. Oh, my God. There's That's some, there's funny, some bad... Bad choices in yeah. there. Yeah. So you know what I have to say, and I know it's a it's a strange choice, but I like I like Bones for the for the fact that he's actually like hyper good at his job. Yep. He's actually amazing, but he's also this like curmudgeon. <clears throat> okay. Right? And you see so yourself as being curmudgeon -y? Like is that something? Sometimes, well, whether I want to or not, sometimes I'm kind of curmudgeon-y. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. You know, but just like um, you know, he's always uh, uh he's always got a good counterpoint. You know, he, he I mean Spock talks it from logic and is able to argue a point for logic. But then um, Bones is like a, the moral compass. He yep. always questions if yep. we should, not if we could. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I like that. I like the fact that he's always thinking about the, a counterpoint. You know, often it's like worst case scenario and stuff like that. But I like that. I like that idea that he's like, you know what, I'm not going to swallow the Kool-Aid. Instead, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about why this is a bad idea. Well, I think a dissenting voice is really important in this. Yeah. I mean, he he acts as um, 
a device in some ways, for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, you're talking about mass destruction. And so this movie comes out in 82. We were just uh, doing a little bit of quick check on sort of nuclear disasters yeah. because radiation and disaster is around the corner all the time. Yeah. Like um, Three Mile Island happened a couple of years before. Mm -hmm. uh, this is before Chernobyl. And radiation and radiation poisoning yeah. is absolutely a prevalent theme in this. So there's this anxiety about future technology. What are we doing with our resources now? How are we harnessing nature in ways yeah. maybe we shouldn't? Um, and it kind of comes through, but you know, you're right. Bones is that one guy who kind of like says, are we doing the right thing here? Or yeah. is this the correct thing? Or are we obligated? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should we be doing this? Totally. And yeah, the whole sort of radiation thing is, is so fascinating that it is, you know, in the future, that's not something that people have solved yet. No. <laughs> There's not a pill for that? No. <laughs> Thousands of years later, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The yeah. most, like, dirtiest technology is available. It's like running on diesel or something, these things. Like, it just, yeah, it's got a bit of fumes, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, baby purrs. <laughs> really... So who would you be? Oh, uh, well, inextricably, I would still see, like, a, a Kirk. Kirk, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's because it's been such a, an archetype in yeah. my thinking for so long, right? Yeah. But, I mean, more so now, mm -hmm. like, looking at old Chris versus young Chris. Like, I remember watching, even in my 20s, because, I mean, there were tons of movies you would come back from the bar from, mm. and you're drunk, and you're like, I just got put on a movie, I don't know, pizza, blah. And I've got so many films that I've seen the first 30 minutes of, and then, <laughs> <laughs> but this is one of them that I would consistently watch my way through. Huh? But I related to it really differently. Yeah. Like, I think I was looking for, you know, when, when I was younger, I was looking for the cool of Kirk, right? Mm. I was looking for, okay... What are the big points that he had? What are the the wins? Because I'm like, yeah. okay, cool, yeah, Kirk's still Kirk, like he's got it. But you know, to watch it now yeah. and have a different lens for it, I mean, I was way more like conscious of how he was thinking about his age and how mm -hmm. he was thinking about how he had changed and how he was still trying to be relevant and still trying to be a good dad, even in a time where yeah. you know his son, he doesn't know his son, he doesn't he doesn't have a relationship with him in any way, and yet he can he wants so badly. Like there's that scene with the hug. And, you know, when he's hugging David and he's just there and you can sort of go like, I think it changes him. I think, you know, David's death, we don't really get a chance to kind of flesh that out in future movies, right? But, right? but honestly, I think there's a real poignant part of his life where he's like, this is super important to me. And sometimes, and especially now. So, I mean, I've got stepkids. Yeah. And there's this weird distance that's always going to exist like I have a very um kind of a naturalistic relationship with Scarlett I'm I'm huggy I love yeah. to give her like little snuggles and stuff like that's kind of my way I'm very affectionate by nature mm -hmm. and I, I can't do it the same way with the stepkids yeah so in this instance like, I almost mm -hmm. feel like if I'm Kirk in this scenario like you know uh Julian's kind of David a bit yeah and so you know you want to pull him in and, and whenever we do have those connections I'm like I love this. This is yeah. so great for me. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, make, I want to make sure I never lose these things. But uh, honestly, I, I, I can kind of feel that estrangement that Kirk has with David yeah. in my own relationships with my stepson. Wowza. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well thought out point. Well, thanks. Yeah, I think um, you, uh, yeah, you gave us something to think about. Well, really. I mean, uh, that's really nice of you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Can you do one more thing for me? Oh, well, anything, you name it. Go get your fucking shine box. <laughs> Son of a... This has been Get Your Shine Box with Chris Ham and Tristan Ham. Intro and outro music by Ross Smith. Tune in for more episodes as we discuss movies we watched and stuff we did as dads. <laughs> <laughs>